Hello, welcome back to the Long Distance Love Bombs podcast. I am your host, Dr. Jeremy Goldberg, and today's guest is Nako. This dude is one of my favorite singer, songwriter, musician, activist humans. He is talented, he is worldly, he's inspiring, and on this podcast, he opens up about his past, his upbringing, his childhood. He talks about healing and why that's important for the planet. And towards the end, Nako drops one of the most amazing stories that I have heard around the topic of forgiveness, and it involves a prison. If you have not heard of Nako or you've not heard his music, I will include links to some of my favorite songs in the show notes. And keep your ears peeled because there's a little tune at the end that you might enjoy. So, without further ado, Nako. All right, brother. Let's uh, let's dance. Let's just have a podcast. See where it goes. Let's dance. Nako, welcome to the podcast, brother. Mabuhai. It's good to meet you, man. You too, bro. You look great. What Thank is this? You. Is this a drawing behind you? It's like a... I don't actually know what it is. I think it's a decal of some kind. Whoa. It's like a dude riding a farting windmill. It is a dude riding something. Yeah. I thought it was a guy. I thought it was somebody from Star Wars like riding a speed racer or something. Yeah, we um we found this apartment and we'd never been here, but we agreed to sublet it for three months. And we kind of walked in and this is in the main living room area. And we did the same thing where me and my girlfriend are like, what is that? Like, mm. it's random and artsy and kind of cool it's kind of it looks like there's a thought bubble coming out of your head sometimes there is my man there <laughs> is <laughs> we can unpack my my own uh mental this is a great this well. is a great way to start the podcast right it's just natural yeah. and normal man yeah the alternative being like welcome nako to the podcast you are a musician oh. like yes know. thank you so much jeremy yes. goldberg it's, for having me on your show it's a pleasure to be here yes um i would like to just put on a mask and pretend that i'm not myself for the next little bit and we could bullshit oh, about some bullshit that's not a mask no. oh okay all right all right nako <laughs> we've got it yes sir so for those uh listening who don't know who you are or what you do what's your deal like how do you describe yourself short dark and handsome um obviously clearly if you couldn't tell by the sound of my voice and i am uh, 33 years old i like long walks on the beach um i grew up in portland oregon and i have lived all over the world i have done many different things of work and life in this 33 years of life and i've i've currently been uh known as a musician and songwriter uh and activist for somewhere between seven and ten years so uh i i have a seven piece band and i play music and my songs for a living and travel the world playing them and i'm a, a indigenous activist and work with i have worked and work with many tribes around the nation and the world and from from the realms of uh, indigenous politics and uh, reclamation to climate change and um, and beyond. So 
I'm a simple kind of guy, you know, I just like good food and clean water and a healthy planet. So, you know, it's not too much to ask for really. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're preaching to the converted man. I spent many years working in coral reef management, tropical ecology, like conservation, sustainability. And, and that to me kept resonating myself is like, it seems so logical to just protect the planet and the yeah. air and the water that we all breathe. Like, I don't understand why that's not a priority in the world. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's profit over protection, I suppose. Yeah, that's a that's a whole separate podcast, isn't it? Yeah, totally. <laughs> I was like thinking about all the things to say, and I was just like, yeah, I'm just gonna hold on to that one. Yeah, I'm just gonna... <laughs> I was like, I'll see if I'll see if he digs in, and we'll just go from there. <laughs> yeah. So how how did the uh, like the indigenous activist part of your life like how did that grab man? Hold? Well, prior to going live here, you were talking a bit about being in the van and whatnot, and I think when I hopped in the van, when I was uh, 20-ish years old and began to drive around the country in search of some something, uh, I was, I kind of uh, made a bit of a, what do you call this, like a, a route. I was doing, I was living in Hawaii for like the winter times and then I would go to the States in the summer and drive around with my partner at the time. And I, if I can look back and I go, when, when did this whole thing start? When did I get interested in, in Native American politics, rights, traditions, stories? It was about, about that time. I, I, um, I was unbeknownst to myself at the time, I suppose I was on this quest to like figure out where I stood within the identity I've been told about. Um, my mother is Mescalero, Apache, and um, Puerto Rican, and my dad is Filipino. And so growing up in the Pacific Northwest, I didn't have the family that I was raised with, the adopted family I was raised with, wasn't, wasn't um, like so hugely into the outdoors. So I wasn't like when I was still living at home until I was about 17, I wasn't like, Oh my God, outside, I have to be outside. It kind of came later, um, in my early twenties. And, uh, so as I dropped into like my love for the outdoors and nature and that connection there, um, and as I separated myself, um, in my teens away from the really problematic, dogmatic, like, uh, boxed in, you know, religious beliefs, to find myself in a space where I was reclaiming my connection to the creator, I was very attracted to traditional tribal ways, but I didn't know how to find an elder or connect to quote unquote, my people. But um, along those few years in the van, I made a connection with some elders, specifically the some Anishinaabe Ojibwe elders out of Minnesota, um, Winona Leduc uh, in particular. And for a number of years, she uh, took me under her wing and sort of nurtured that part of my heritage and was sort of the first person, first elder to really see me and see that I had all this detangling and decolonizing to do uh, and welcomed me in and made me feel at home. And so mm. uh, that was probably like when I was 23, maybe 24. And so 
yeah, since then she's been like a mom to me. I mean, she's, uh, I've been on the board of organization for the last almost 10 years now. And, um, through her, I met multiple other elders that I've worked with now for the last decade, uh, that have brought me into a recognition that I am, um, that I, that I don't really, I don't really, I don't really like spend too much time on being one particular, uh, uh, ancestry, uh, in, in our, <laughs> in our, in my generation in this way, we're like, you know, we're, we're very set on, you know, the acknowledgement that we deserve, um, as indigenous peoples of Turtle Island and saying that we're still here and, you know, that we've clearly been marginalized and, uh, uh, you know, across the board, just forgotten and disrespected and, and, and left to just die out there. So as much as I recognize that and also feel that, I also find myself to be a person of the world and um, a person, well, a human being that is looking to move beyond um, the identity of even just my bloodline and focus on the humanity of, uh, of, of who I am and how I relate to other human beings. Um, and so that's sort of how, you know, uh, I perceive my music as being a bridge to um, inviting everyone into a place that they can feel like they're seen and welcome. It, there's, there, we live in such a victim mentality in our world, uh, and rightfully so. However, it is one phase. It's one stepping stone to ultimate uh, awakening. And I think um, it's been inspiring to witness the young people uh, and with the help of the elders and the elders uh, awakening too, to uh, as we move closer to that space where we look beyond the color of our skin and, and where and how we were raised, mm. end quote. Yeah, I would vote for you. Yeah, that was good. Thank you so much. That was a Luckily good. I'm not running because <laughs> <laughs> it was a good stump speech, man. I'm but not sure, how I look you, in a suit. But. You touched on some important and powerful things, though, right? Is is sort of like you found your path by going out and kind of looking at a bunch of paths and decided to consciously cultivate your own identity, right? And it sounds like you've chosen to focus more upon a global citizen sort of identity than just a, um, like when you were talking previously about individuals trying to focus on just their, their state or their city or their culture or their thing. I, I almost see it as like boxes that we put ourselves in, right? Of mm -hmm. Like, oh, you're American. Oh, you're indigenous. You're this, you're that. And it sounds a little bit like you're trying to spread this idea that we're all brothers and sisters, like trying to figure it out, like one giant family. Is that mm -hmm. fair? Is that an accurate kind of, translation absolutely i mean and in some circles it's taboo what i'm about to say because i feel like as you're well aware like this generation is so headstrong in reclaiming words and also really having a more important focus on our words and how we identify things as so you know be more conscious of that but uh you know, when I say indigenous, you know, 
I think maybe six years ago, I would have thought that indigenous meant that you were brown or that you were Native American or native to, you know, Turtle Island. But um, I've learned a lot more now about what that word means to me and to, I think, um, a lot of people now, which in fact, it's like, you know, we all come from an indigenous place and all of our ancestors were tribal people once and mm-hmm. and therefore uh i use it as an inclusive term hmm. yeah it's like that if you go back far enough or you zoom out far enough that perspective right it's like we all at some stage lived in hunter-gatherer bands of individuals who lived off the land that respected the land that just tried to love each other and take care of each other yes like that seems so simple to me. Like, why can we not just figure that shit out and like love each other? This is why I think I dig your music. It's like, I find myself nodding along of like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I agree. That makes sense. Yeah. We should do, we should do more of that. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, the why, the why, the why, yeah. The why is so complex, you know, yeah. uh, it's, it's just the, the wound is so deep. The, mm. uh, the decolonizing is so intense. Um, and you know, capitalism just does not help anywhere along this journey and it's like i just read an article about how they were preparing to design a voyage into space where potentially uh there's like a there's it's like 14 or some shit like light years away this place that they're gonna go to to like colonize this place and then yeah. i just had watched this the new brad pitt movie at astra and this whole movie, the whole thing is like about yeah. how we, well, it's just, I don't know, did you see it? I watched it like a week ago on an airplane. Yeah. Right? It was, it was like, I love him, obviously, he's fucking Brad Pitt, but like, uh, I, the premise was like really interesting to me because mm. I was like, oh, it was like, it was like um, uh, 2000 Odyssey or whatever meets like Gravity, but better. Yeah. And like, and it was like, he, you know he goes to the moon and then he's like and it's like oh yeah we colonized the moon and it's like we brought all of our fucking bad ideas there exactly it's the same shit shit. you know it's like we didn't change anything we just went there and like okay now it's like Mm -hmm. segregated and fucking you know oppressed and whatever the fuck it's like you know if we're gonna do that we need to come up with better ideas we need to structure our societies and the way that we we consume Mm -hmm. you know what fucking based on barter or something i don't know you know what i mean like um I uh, thought about that years ago when I was learning about Elon Musk's desire to colonize Mars. I was like, that's rad. Like recolonize Mars. (laughs) Okay. That's a whole nother conversation. (laughs) Recolonize (laughs) Mars. This is not where I thought this podcast would go, but nonetheless. You think I'm joking. (laughs) (laughs) But it's, but it's the same idea, right? It's like, Oh, we've, we've fucked up our planet so badly that we have to go and get another planet. And if we don't radically change the culture and the way that we approach living, we're just going to perpetuate that cycle throughout the entire solar system. Like, yeah, and ho- Hollywood doesn't really help with like creating new ideas here. It's like, you know, every month there's another movie that's coming out that's either, you know, dystopian, uh, you know, other off-worldly shit or like, you know, end of the world kind of stuff. Like, you remember Interstellar? that whole shit it's like that shit was crazy cool honestly i'm super <laughs> sci-fi nerd but like uh but also you know it's like what was i gonna say uh hollywood doesn't help with the 
dystopian dystopian vibes new, and shit, new ideas but, we need new ideas but, yeah i mean point. where we, we yeah oh the other thing i was gonna say is that like you know the planet is gonna be here and yes we are by our you know consumption and our footprint and our um all these things like we're clearly destroying it and um ultimately we're destroying ourselves i mean the planet's going to still be here all yeah. you know beyond when human beings don't exist anymore i mean it's already mm. been through multiple changes and has wiped out human beings like over and over again so it's nothing new for the planet you know to start over again uh so it's really like well do you want to hang out any longer you want to enjoy this place much longer well if you're gonna enjoy yeah. it then you better fucking take care of it hmm. i think it's a good point though is is like if you if you hate the world if you hate yourself if you hate life it's really difficult to then move into a place of protecting that place do you know what i mean and so on the other side if you if you love yourself if you love your life if you love this experience if you love the world then you're probably more inclined to protect it right and so i think part of the work that we have to do as, as like thought leaders or musicians or artists or creators is to like spread that love and to to enhance that connection because i think that will then facilitate the conservation of, of the planet really yeah i mean we're up we're up against some pretty big odds i mean you know i'd like yeah. to believe i like to believe that as much opposition as there is out there there is the same support equal support as there is you know the opposition but uh you know where we're going i keep saying this to myself this year it's like where we're going we've never even been before so we mm. you know we got to give ourselves a little slack but we also have to remember that uh those others out there who are um you know hanging on to like extremely advanced technology or like you know uh, uh playing risk with the planet they you know, they're, they're, they're not thinking of like the next 50 to hundred years. They're thinking of like next millennial, you know, mm. uh, you know, perhaps with such advanced technology where they're like, they don't even need to worry about fucking dying. You know what I mean? Like that's where my mind goes. I'm like, yeah, I, I can kind of like see that. It's like, that why is one guy, Elon Musk have a monopoly on the industry? You know what I mean? Like, uh, yes, I agree with you that we have to continue to spread that love. However, we got to be like wise about the fact that we can't, we can't, ex we can't expect people um, who are so deeply embedded in um, mm -hmm. that opposition. And mm -hmm. so, I mean, at the end of the day, the great teachers always tell us live by example. And that's honestly the best thing you can do for yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. Well said. You got to be the change, right? So they say. So they say, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a grand experiment, isn't it? Like every day, it's like, let's try something different. It let's really is. It it's, I feel like everything I do is, I, I'm like, well, let's see how it goes. <laughs> are, there, um, like, are there areas in your life right now, like creative or otherwise, where you're leaning into that discomfort or that fear place of trying something different, expansion, you know, aiming bigger than before? Is that a thing for you? Yeah. I mean, I think since I was a kid, like I've always put myself in front of stuff that scared me because I wanted to feel it fully because it scared me. I was literally just talking about this to my friend yesterday. I was like saying how like 
you know, like when you break up with somebody and like, it's, it's like it, or you get broken up with or whatever. And then like, you really don't want to see who the next person is they're kicking it with. But like a party just has to know so that you can like feel it and you can go and visually you can say like either like ill or like, okay. Or like, no, or like, why? You know, it's like, I remember like just putting my stuff in front of it every time just to see it and be like, okay, I could take it. I could take it. And then, you know, or it's like even playing music and being on stage. It's like, I was so introverted as a teenager and had zero people skills. And then like in the next 10 years, somehow I like put myself on stage after stage and on at farmer's markets or coffee shops and, you know, open mics and shit. And like all in an effort, in an effort to like say to myself, like you can, I can do this. Uh, and in a way I was like, I have something to say. And even if it might suck, like it's going to, it's going to help me become more brave to, uh, address my shadows and also, um, be a light that I want to be. Um, I don't even know what we were talking about anymore. <laughs> I mean, it was a good answer. I was asking. Uh, so deep in my mind about like being a kid and just being like, I, I'm so nervous to talk to people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we were talking about doing hard things and like leaning into discomfort and that you chase those hard things onto yeah. yourself. It made you better. It made you stronger. Yeah. And I think now, you know, as I continue to like grow as a, um, as a leader in my little world over here, uh, as a band leader, as a, as a boss, as a, you know, um, a business person, um, and, uh, as a person of, in ceremony as well. Like I, I, I recognize it's really hard being the boss of yourself and of many people and leading something because, uh, you know, people, everybody wants something from you. And then also you want to treat everyone fairly. And then also, um, uh, it's, you're just the guy people turn to and it can be like exhausting. Um, and also daunting because you hope you have the right answers and you hope that you're making the right choices for the betterment of everybody. Um, and at the end of the day, I have to keep coming back to like, what's best for the music, you know? Mm. Um, so yeah, it's challenging. Um, especially, uh, you know, for, uh, what do I say? Like a band in the, in the, in the music industry, like there's the music in the industry. And I think that, uh, I'm finding, uh, it's challenging to, um, to play the game. A little bit you know uh part of my soul just wants to um go play by the fire and that uh, mike you need to play in the world stage and i'm like okay i guess so um but uh yeah standing in front of things are difficult it's um it's a it's a daily thing it's a daily thing to get up and say uh i'm going to challenge myself today um doing anything really practices uh consistent um grounding things to work towards your 
holistic like version of yourself. Mm. Do you have any like mantras or rituals that you lean on to do that? Yeah, um, one of them is fuck this shit, fuck this shit, <laughs> fuck this shit, fuck this shit. <laughs> the other one is oh hell no, oh hell no, oh hell no. <laughs> uh now nah, today honestly today i was actually before this call i was down at my sweat lodge and i was cleaning it up because um we're gonna have a sweat on the solstice here and i was saying to myself that i'm protected I was like you're protected you're protected mm. um uh because you probably know this just based on your own life experience that the more bright light that you choose to wield the darker the shit will come at you and um this is definitely not my first rodeo uh and i am definitely rodeoing like <laughs> every day right now mm. uh and sometimes i'm just like god damn <laughs> and then i'm just like god bless <laughs> It's a good way to summarize it, man. God damn and God you know bless. I mean? It's like you know what? You gotta skin in the game, baby. You know, you gotta like you gotta you gotta roll with the things, you gotta do the work, and there's you can't complain about it, you know? It doesn't help if you do. Nah. Nah. But also I love that idea of like cultivating that inner resilience or that strength of like, yeah, I'm protected. I'm enough. Like it's mm -hmm. all good. It's working for me. Like it's working through me. And also, like, allow yourself to be fucking pissed. Mm. I don't think, like, I feel like something, like, my therapist and I, like, work on a lot is, like, where I put my rage. Because, like, I'm so in a space of, like, uh, and this is my highest person. It's, like, the, the kind, I'm kind and I'm sweet and I'm cuddly. And, like, that's just who I am. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, like, I, I try to be friends with everybody but um but then yeah like there's the, the as far as like your masculinity it's like there's so much rage that we have to work through and it's like where do you put it you know what i mean like mm -hmm. you do like squats today and let your rage out or what you know what i mean are you gonna hit the bag you know mm -hmm. or are you gonna what are you gonna do it's like uh you, you can't let it get to the boiling point where like you know it builds up with resentment for other people or for yourself because you don't allow yourself to like really let it out um but um i'm a really physical person so like uh you know yeah i'll do some yoga you know here and there uh to, to let the rage out like i'll do yoga but it's like i'll do yoga to let the rage out or like let the steam mm. off but i really gotta like sweat it you know what i mean mm. yeah it's like healthy release I, and i heard this phrase years ago clean anger that really kind of Ooh, helped, i like that help me redefine that of like oh Anger is not necessarily a bad thing. It's a, it's just a thing. And it's like how you choose to use it, what you choose to channel that energy into can be a really Hell positive yeah. thing. Like you can get super fucking fit or like write a badass song or Hell yeah. have some Embrace great sex, it. whatever. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's all in there. You know, it's like we can channel it however we like and all those are true pieces to that. But um, yeah. I think, uh, I don't know, sometimes when I look at my life's, uh inconsistencies inconsistencies like paired next to each other 
um, that's when I start getting scared because I'm like, oh, I don't want to be like that and like get in the habit of doing that when I'm like this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So. But even yeah, that, that awareness is progress though, right? It's like, oh, I'm being inconsistent. That means. Yeah, but see, I'm the kind of person that's like awareness isn't enough. It's like you have to yeah. literally, like awareness is where be, I feel like in the state of consciousness that I feel like a lot of us are in, uh, as far as the choir goes, <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like uh, awareness is like it's elementary knowledge. You know what I mean? It's like, mm. duh. It's you know, the first, like, we already know that. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's like let's go beyond that. Let's start talking about action and like what causes you not to do the action or what causes you just to go halfway mm. or like, you know what I mean? That kind of shit. Yeah, actually, it reminds me. I heard this talk last year earlier this year marianne williamson was speaking in um oh marianne a wanderlust right it's my girl yeah and with she, russell yeah i was there yeah that was and, a great talk i loved that talk yeah man and she has this really powerful she's a she's a firecracker for sure but she has this powerful statement that i remember it gave me chills because she was talking about slavery and the end of slavery in america and she was saying slavery didn't end because people suddenly became aware of slavery. She's like, everybody knew slavery was happening. And she said, slavery ended because of abolitionists. Slavery ended because people took that awareness and did some shit with it and took action. And that's what resulted in change. And I I had that moment of just like, oh shit, like she is calling me forward in a big way because there's a lot of stuff that I'm aware of that I'm not speaking up about, like the definition mm-hmm. of privilege, right? Like choosing mm-hmm. to stay on the sidelines, like that's privilege. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I remember that being very impactful. It's like, oh, I gotta do some shit. I need, to, mm-hmm. I need to raise my voice. I need to start doing more. Yeah, and that can be a, that can be a tricky, like when, once you're aware of that, even it's like, okay, how do you help? It's like, how do you become a good ally, mm-hmm. you know, to the myriad of, you know, fights and movements. Um, but yeah, I don't have an answer for that. <laughs> I, I was going to say, so like to someone listening, that's like, Nako, I want to help. I want to do some shit. What, what do I do? Where do I start? So just like volunteering mm. at a, at an organization that you respect. There's this great or? thing. There's this great thing called Google. I don't know if you heard of it. Um, yeah. And you know, uh, there's this term called research actually. And, um, you know, I just, you know, encourage people who, uh, you know, w- want to know more, uh, you know, to dive into their own research and mm. find what feels comfortable for them. Because honestly, it's going to be a different thing for diff- every, for everybody. Mm. Um, but, you know, you really got to hone in on stuff. You know what I mean? Like if you're trying to like, you know, uh, if you're interested in, I don't know, climate change, or if you're interested in like Black Lives Matter, if you're interested in like like human trafficking, whatever yeah. it is, it's like, you know, you gotta, you gotta do the research in order to figure out what your pin is and then you can decide how to help. There are mm-hmm. steps, you know what I mean? Like there are steps that like you gotta take to like get involved mm-hmm. and research and def- is definitely like the first one yeah. in my opinion. It's a good point. Yeah. Just following that inner whisper. And, and I mean, the positive of all the negative is that there's so much work that needs to be done across the board in different fields and areas and, animals and plants and trees and like all of it right we all need it all needs help and ultimately the 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 greatest work that we have to do here is within ourselves Mm. because it doesn't matter if you are like you know doing great things in the field 
if you are suffering on the inside, you're a disservice. Or if you're suffering on the inside and you're not addressing it and actively working on addressing that, um, then you're a disservice to the movement. Mm. Yeah. Well said. Broken so, people only make more broken things. Yeah. And so for yourself, because I know you've got a pretty um, intriguing past or upbringing, let's say. And so it sounds to me like you've done a lot of work in terms of sort of putting an end to that ancestral kind of trauma. Let me, pain. I'm just going to add, add on to that. It's like broken people make, only make more broken things, but broken people who are aware of their brokenness and are actively working on uh, healing that brokenness can, can be uh, pivotal in creating healing in their, mm -hmm. in their field. That was my end quote. Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to finish that thought. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah. And, and change the world. Right. Absolutely. And I think in, in this generation too, there's, it's like our time to put a stop to all the stuff that has momentum for thousands or millions of years, whatever, and put an end to it. And, and wouldn't that necessarily, wouldn't that be like the work that we're meant for as far as generationally, like as far as being a future ancestor where, uh, you know, mm. we start to like, bullet point the things that we don't want to pass on to our grandchildren's grandchildren because it doesn't matter like every generation is going to have ancestral shit to work through you know what i mean mm -hmm. and so, so for, hopefully it can get better and better sorry go ahead no, so for you do you mind just sort of unpacking your own childhood experience and some examples where you've sort of forgiven people or helped heal wounds from your family i forgave my mom for giving me a bowl cut and putting me in khaki shorts and high top white socks um and those lame like sandals that we used to wear mm. like what was that look the flip-flops no it was like those closed-toed like but open-sided like blue sandals like oshkosh maybe i don't even know um i just i grew up white i'm not gonna lie about it you know what i mean like i grew up in like like classic suburbia um in a beautiful white family that raised me and like um in my experience what's my end goal here in this part of this conversation it's telling you about my experience <laughs> and and what you healed um in oh, your okay. family through your through your life yeah oh my god so many things right i mean uh um i mean to set the stage and do the headline part of it just so it's like okay nine months old um adopted to a Christian family who couldn't have kids of their own. Um, I was adopted alongside two other children that were adopted, um, Caucasian children. And um, uh, my mother, my birth mother was 14 years old when she had me. She was uh, a victim of human trafficking. And uh, thank God put me up for adoption because that would have been a whole different world and life if I'd been raised by her at that time. And then, uh, yeah, grew up with this beautiful family out here in Clackamas in Portland, outside of Portland, um, and uh, was raised very religious, um, was homeschooled. And by the time I left at 17, at, at such odds with my folks, um, I was uh, desperately looking for an alternative uh, reality. And... Um, as I left home and ventured around the world, um, a few years later, I came back to find my birth mother and begin unpacking my 
and and discovering my my birth mother's family um and reconnecting after 20 years and um with my adopted family there was so much to overcome when it comes to like recognizing that they were not the bad guys uh i painted them as the bad guys for uh, like a decade um because i didn't know who to point the finger at for my suffering uh and um then once i learned a lot more about myself and learned a much deeper sense of empathy for what they'd done for me then my little child in me wanted to point the finger at my birth mother uh almost 10 years later um almost exactly in sync with each other we we uh are are both of our trauma surfaced in our respect respected ways um and we had to we 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 met head on um and and luckily started getting some help together to to sort of peel through the layers of like why we were triggering each other and um and why we become resentful of each other uh for various reasons um and so yeah big big stories you know big things to unpack and big things to like say you know um ultimately forgiveness and um and, and compassion like lies there now uh but it took many years to like come to a place of peace um with with uh those journeys um only you know ultimately to 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 arrive at a place of forgiveness and arrive at a place of um of peace with knowing exactly who i am because of it um and who i am to them to both of my mothers now um with my father's family my birth father's family that was even that was it's interesting cuz like even though i never met him he was murdered in 1994 uh i i i in some ways don't quote me in 10 years in some ways uh it was easier to forgive him maybe because i never knew him um for what he'd done to my mom uh and and it was like there was one act i believe one major act that he in the afterlife sort of was asking me to do in order to uh finish his own journey in a way like i was i ended up being like the key to like his release of some kind like there was a weight that got lifted off my shoulders uh when i decided to venture off to san quentin prison to find the man that murdered my father and forgive him in person and so um at that point i'd already sort of been on a journey of realizing the power of forgiveness um and was well on my empathic journey when i discovered that i could even potentially 007 my way into the prison and meet this dude uh cuz by all accounts that was entirely illegal to go there and like see him but somehow I managed to slip my way into the prison um so hang on with- how, how do you slip your way <laughs> how do you slip your way into San Quentin prison to meet your mm, father's murderer negligence on the prison oh they didn't do a good enough background check on me cuz I'm 
a ghost. Okay. So you're, so you go and meet him. Like, are you on? Well, the, actually what, the, what actually, what actually happened was like, they denied my, my request for visitation via email, but I showed up in person and they didn't like check the records that I got denied. And the girl at the front was like, Oh, you have a Hawaiian ID. Did you come all the way here to see this prisoner? And I was like, Oh hell yeah. And I was like, I got, I was like, I gotta go tomorrow. Like I, this is the only day. And she's like, you don't have like a visitation thing. And I was like, nah, she's like, well, we'll let you get in today. And I was like, Oh, this is like, all right, dope. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Later they got schooled in court because, uh, yeah, they, that got marked on, um, the prison was scolded in, in his probation hearing because they're like, we let this dude like go visit him and shit. Anyway, what was your question? So they like bring him in. Are you like face to face with him or is there like the glass between you? You're on the phone thing? Or? Oh yeah, no, it's face to face. Um, uh, there's, it's like a, a meeting room with other families and prisoners like doing their visitation and shit. And then this dude has no idea who you are, right? Nope. And so you just sit down and you're like, Hey, I'm Nako. You, you killed my dad and like <laughs> basil leaf i mean he was like he's like are you like my long lost brother and i was like no but kinda <laughs> and then i was like i came is i literally said what i say in my song san quentin i was like i came a long way to tell you the story will you sit with me and and hear me out and he goes yeah sure and I think the thing that surprised me was that he was so chill and like calm and scary looking, uh, like straight cholo vibes. Uh, he was bald and all tatted up and he was like huge. And I was just like, this is the dude. And uh, I basically like just started at the beginning of my life and told him my life story and then got to the part in my, in my journey about when I'd met my dad's brother and my dad's brother was the one that told me that my dad had been shot in the head. And uh, so when I said that to him, he, his, like, his whole countenance like changed. And he was like, oh shit, he's like, you are his son. And then he started, his tears started welling his eyes. And um, I was like, yeah, I am. And he grabbed my hand and he was just like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for taking your dad away from you. And he's like, he's like, um, a life for a life. He's like, my life is yours. Um, and he's like, if I ever get out of here, you can kill me or you can like put me to work or whatever. And I was like, well, let's just start with this conversation. Like, we don't have to, we don't have to go that extreme right now. Not looking for an indentured servant really right now, but, but I appreciate the thought. Uh, and yeah, so he was just like, and then he began to tell me his story. He's just like, you know, I've been haunted by your dad for 20 years. Like I survived prison for 20 years. Like people don't survive prison in this mm. way. And um, he's like, he said to me, if I ever get out of here, I want to take you fishing. And I was like, why though? And he said, because my father used to take me fishing and you never got to do nothing with your pops. So like, this is, this will be my gift to you. And I was like, word, but, um, you know, I, I get it, you know, like I've, it was an accident at the end of the day, you know, and things are way different when you're fucked up on meth and 
you know, you make mistakes and, you know, our, as you're probably well aware, our, our, um, uh, the prison system is so wrought with, uh, and full of holes and not built for people to rehabilitate and come out the other side with, uh, forgiven and starting over. Um, it just makes more criminals. So, uh, and more traumatized people, um, and is privatized and makes people shit ton of money. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it was, it wasn't hard for me to forgive him once, especially once I heard his side of the story, which he in 20 years never been allowed to tell. Uh, and, um, I was his first visitor in 18 years. Fuck. Yeah. So he, so somebody uh, comes into him and is like, Hey, you've got a visitor. And he's like, what? Like he has no idea. And then he sees yeah. you sitting there and he has no idea who you are. And you just start telling him that story. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so are you still in touch with him at all? I am not, but, uh, three months later he faced my family, uh, for his, um, potential, uh, probation hearing um he had get he'd gotten like 15 to life or something like that prior and so he was up for a parole hearing parole hearing he was up for a parole hearing and um i left the prison and told my family what i'd done much to the dismay of the elders in the family but the the youth in my family were were more intrigued by the example and i you know basically said Saying like, look, you know, this guy's suffered long enough. Like, the burden of forgiving him is powerful, and it's. And I was like, I can tell you right now that I feel a lot lighter mm. just having like done this. And turns out, you know, that my siblings decided to pardon him. And so, twenty years to the day on Christmas Day, when he killed my father, he was released. And deported back to back to the Philippines, where he'd wanted to go, as he'd explained to me that he's like, if I ever get out of here, I want to go back to the Philippines. And his father was dying of cancer, and he'd shamed his family, um, and he wanted to go reconcile that. Um, so he is hopefully doing well in the Philippines, and has been able to right some of his wrongs and start over. Dang. He owes me a fishing trip, clearly. So, yeah, we will we'll be in touch. But dang, it's just it's it's a picture like a domino, you know, set in place. So you you forgive him, and it knocks the next domino over, and then perhaps he goes back yeah. home and tries to continue that that progress. Eh? Mm -hmm. Damn, man, that was quite a story. Me, hey. proud of you, proud of you, dude. Thanks, that was bro. thank you so much. That's a big move. Yeah, man. That was, that was a wild experience. Mm. Um, I don't even know what to say after that, man. I'm, uh, I'm conscious of your time and energy. <laughs> I know that uh, I've taken up like an hour of your, of your life. Um, if you feel like that's a I good time. I got a song for you. You got a song for me, for the Hell listeners? Yeah. What do you mean? Yeah. You going to play it or what? Yeah. Why don't I play a song? 
Okay. Like right now, mm. live? Hell yeah. Um, okay. I'm not going to turn that down. Why not, right? Yeah. And especially because uh, today celebrates the release of um, a song, and it's Full Moon and Gemini. And I was going to play you the song that just came out today. Um, Let's do it. That, it's, I wrote it about uh, 10 years ago. And it's sort of an ode to plant medicine and to slowing things down so you can get real good shit done. What's it called? It's called Slow Down. So Nako did play the song live. He crushed it. It was awesome and beautiful and amazing. However, the technological side, the microphone, the laptop, the internet didn't sound super outstanding. And so I'm including a better version here so you can really appreciate the tune. Enjoy. Slow down. Slow down. Slow down. It's been a long time coming around and smoothing out the edges and slowing down and listening. What is your focus? Don't you go and stumble now? Are you listening? Horse tail, horse tail, we can heal it. Oh, if plant medicine, body, mind, and 
All right. Dude. There it is, baby. Love it, man. Sounds like another mantra to add to your fuck this shit. Hell no. Bro. Slow it down. Hey, let's go. Woo! Uh, <laughs> so like a Mike Posner impression. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, keep going. Keep going. That's my boy. Hell yeah, bro. Awesome, brother. That, uh, that was great. And um, to the people listening, where can they find you? Where can they find your music? Uh, they can find me at nako.com and a H K O, uh, all across all platforms and, um, and to infinity and beyond. And the tunes are on all the places where music would be. That's right. Thank you, brother. I still, yeah, man. I still I appreciate the time, man. I really just respect and admire what you're doing. And, um, and that story you told about your dad and your family is just so inspiring. And, um, and I just respect you for walking the walk, man. So thank you for thank you so are. much, dog. Yeah, yes, sir. Appreciate your time, and uh, it's great chatting with you. Hope to catch you along the way soon. Yeah, brother, we can do a, a van trip together, bro. I'm, <laughs> I'm well versed in that, but it would just be with the Atlas, bro. Just the Atlas. Just the Atlas. No, That's no phones. No GPS. Just the Atlas. I mean, we've all got our own inner GPS, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I still got my my atlas from like back in the day though. Like, do you? Oh yeah, it's vintage now. <laughs> you gotta frame that thing, bro. I'm still gonna use it, dog. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Thanks so much, man, and, uh, yes, and good luck to you, man. Wild, right? That story about his dad's murderer in the prison. Oof, gave me goosebumps. Hope you enjoyed the song. I hope you enjoyed that man's heart and his soul, and what he is all about. He is one of my favorite musicians in the world. It was such a treat to be able to chat with him. I highly encourage that you do check out his music, download his songs, share them with your friends and family, and try to spread the medicine around the world. It's what we desperately need more than anything, is a little bit more connection and compassion. Spread the love, unite, heal, make it all a little bit better. Thank you for you. Thank you for listening. I adore and appreciate you. And I just hope you keep shining bright. Hope you keep smiling. Hope you keep breathing. Hope you keep living in the way that you want to live. I love you.